Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Thank you both for agreeing to chat with us. Um, you know, I thought that it was really interesting because when John and I were reading, you know, we asked people to just give us a little bit of a brief overview, right? A couple bullet points. When John and I were reading over it, I was like, oh, this feels kind of close to home because I had some similar stuff happen and come up for John and I in our the beginning of our relationship. So I'm going to give that 30,000 foot. So it sounds like there's been a few things you broke up, you got back mm-hmm. together. Right. Right. Some of the initial things around the breakup were around some ambivalence. Mm -hmm. Right. And now that we're back together, there's a little bit of like, maybe not feeling super secure that that ambivalence has totally gone away. Like there's Mm -hmm. almost like a lack of trust in that. Yeah. And then also maybe some, let's just say discomfort around the difference between the introvert extrovert and how you all show up um, in that space. But I want you guys to kind of take us deeper on that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like you said, um, we broke up um, and most of the issues there were around, you know, it being a pandemic uh, relationship. And um, so we were we weren't really going out and doing anything. Um, and then there was also ambivalence on when on my partner's side. Um, and we actually listened to your podcast and I sent it to him and we both watched or listened to wherever you were talking about that. So similar issues there. And uh, so we took the, those four months apart and um, I did everything. I kind of, you know, went out, went to meetups, um, picked up hobbies. Um, and it felt like those four months, um, I, it just changed a lot of things for me, especially. And then um, then we got back together and things are things are much better. It feels like a different relationship uh, or maybe you can't even compare it, honestly. And um, but well, now hey, what's, different, what's different now that makes it better? Yeah, um, for me, I feel like I'm more open. I don't think I was very open the first time. I was very guarded. Um, didn't really say uh, the things that I should be saying. Um, uh, anything I had a conflict with, I would just ignore it uh, and not bring it up. Um, and then I also think that I have a life outside of you know uh, our relationship because what I was doing was working from home and then seeing him and most of my friends were gone or like living with their parents. So. This was only what was going on. So after, um, uh, you know, with that four months, I kind of figured that out and went to meetups, you know, um, rediscovered some hobbies, um, things like that. And that really helped, I think, our relationship. And- What about you, Charlie? What feels different this time for you? I think uh, understanding what she brought to the table. I think before I come from, I think more extroverted than her, uh, definitely a lot of activities before pandemic, every pandemic. Uh, more she felt more shut in, and uh, and and I felt like she never had those things. Like I mean, activities wise, or or I felt like more of a mentor at times than a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also felt, and and none of us have a lot of dating experience in terms of like this is probably our longest relationship. We really haven't had serious relationships before. Um, and feeling that opportunity cost of like, hey, like, do I keep, I kept putting deadlines on myself. Like, is this gonna go longer now? Like, do I need to end it and, and try to 
see if they may be a better fit mm-hmm. um, or since it's, it's, it's the first relationship, do I just give it time? Like I think basically overanalyzing things. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think after I broke up and went through those four months, I had the opposite experience. I mean, she was like doing stuff and I was mostly like trying to be busy with, um, with work or, or, um, or basically like sulking, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. But we had, we had been good about like, hey, we're breaking up, we're not gonna communicate, it's gonna be a healing environment, we're gonna silo each other off, and then, so we did that, but after four months, I felt like maybe I'll reach out again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully that was enough time where things weren't too premature. So, so that's when I reached out again, and, 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 uh, and it's just weird, because, now it feels like there was no breakup. Mm. Like it, it just went. And so that, and I think now acknowledge the, I guess, emotional stability, the, just the support and, and I, I guess that's what a relationship feels like. So that, that's what it feels like before kind of, we had talked about this a lot and feels like now we're kind of, at least I feel like I'm more both feet in and, but you were the one that was ambivalent before right correct it was me and you feel like you're in this now all right and then i would ask her like do you not feel any doubts and she always would be sure and i don't know why she's she's so sure because she also from my point of view really hasn't dated much yeah so she happens to be sure and 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 that just seems very very uh, weird to me but Hmm. (laughs) basically uh the tables have turned Mm -hmm. this is a case of um, it was you that was ambivalent before, and then now you're in it, and now Char- uh, not, uh, Jennifer, you seem to be ambivalent now, right? Or not ambivalent, but um, I felt like the first time around, we had like check-ins where we would be like, okay, like, how do you feel? Do you feel more sure? Like a month later, and it never really went anywhere. So we do the same thing now. We have like check-ins. We don't. We don't <laughs> no. do that anymore. <laughs> we we said that was a terrible idea, and we're just going to stop focusing about the future where it goes because before that i think i was trying to be extra mindful of because i I had friends where they were like in a you know five-year relationship seven-year relationship and they break up and and then the girl was just like hey like what what just happened Mm -hmm. and super super mindful of that i'm trying to earlier i was trying to assess my feelings and trying to figure out well do I uh, do I see our lives together forever now? If not, like maybe I should break up. Like he was always constantly You're on asking your head about it. Stuff. Yeah. So but now, uh, just for the sake of time, where are you guys both now? What's the biggest problem in in this this uh, I don't know round two? Maybe it's round three. Well, it feels like for you, Jennifer, it's the lack of trusting, right? And and still being really uncomfortable. Where like, why can't I lean into this when he's saying he's all in? Which to me, I mean, look, that is something that based on our experience too, like it has to be rebuilt. I mean, it doesn't matter if verbally, you know, Charlie, you're saying to Jennifer, like, oh, I'm in this, I'm all in this. It's like, that is actually a slow process to rebuild. And it's a, it's a feeling. It doesn't actually matter necessarily the words that are coming out of your mouth. Right. And so being in this air quotes, 
translates into how you show up in the day-to-day experience, right? Like um, not just physically body, am I there, but like mentally, emotionally, you know, all of the things, like, am I committed to working through conflict? Am I committed to hearing my partner? Am I committed to, um, you know, trying to understand them as best as I can? All of these things that we do in relationships and, and over time, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's not necessarily like a magic wand, but over time, those actions is what really can tell somebody that they can lean into trust, right? Also, without going too deep, it really does have, it makes a difference what your story is, Jennifer, like what your background and your story is around relationships and men and, you know, just people that you're attached to in general. I know for me, I have this kind of lasting storyline that John and I talk about a lot, which is like people leave. People leave and I have to do this by myself and I can only rely on myself. Now that's not like a conscious storyline, but it's definitely like something that's in there that sometimes when somebody is ambivalent, for example, it gets activated. And so in me, that lack of trust is part the other person, but it's also part me and my story, Mm, right? So there might be some exploration there for you to do on your own outside of this relationship and figure Mm. out like, what are some of your old stories that might be being activated in this dynamic? Okay. 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 What, what do you think? Um, if you were to answer her question, what do you think? Are there some old stories that you're, we, we could barely hear, barely you. hear you guys speak up a little bit. Um, can you hear us now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think it has more to do with being independent, um, relying on myself. Um, always. I never even friends, you know, we were sure we hung out and stuff, but it wasn't anything more than that mm-hmm. um so it's, it's different having someone um and being in a relationship it's like where do I draw the line between letting go of that independence versus like what does relying on someone mean or what is being in a relationship um well, how many relationships have you been in this is it. so this is it. <laughs> okay yeah. so you know let so that's a, a big piece of this yeah. which I think is natural and normal is mm-hmm. You know, it's your both for both of you. This is a new experience. Yeah. So, um, just getting used to uh, swimming, you know, toward each other, being vulnerable, uh, and like what you just said, what's the difference between you know being independent, which I want to hold on to because I like that about myself, but now I'm in a relationship, you know, uh, letting go and you said relying on or depending on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the word that comes to my my mind is it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, I also would say too, like you guys get to write the rules. So this is your first relationship, which in some aspects, yeah, we can say like, oh, you don't really have the experience and you know, I, what is this supposed to look like? I mean, but the beautiful thing is, is who cares who says what it's supposed to look like? You guys get to decide what that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And I would actually say it's a little bit of an exercise of like going off and figuring out what, the, what you think it looks mm-hmm. like for you coming together working it out. And then guess what? If it doesn't fit, you pivot. And then you try that. And if that doesn't fit, you pivot. Don't get wed to or attached to a certain idea of what it should look like, because that can just be handcuffs or a prison. You know, you got to be able to give yourself some breathing room too. And continually, I mean, even five years in, four years in, like it's, it's a constant kind of adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that used to work for me and now it doesn't. So let's talk about it and reassess. Okay. Okay. Right. It's, it's not, yeah, we're making the rules. We're not going off of um, 
Instagram or it's the relationship <laughs> that we see um, because we probably don't get the full picture of other relationships that we see either. Yeah. Um, and I think, I guess what you said makes sense in terms of boundaries. We also, um, are, we're trying to figure out, you know, where do we draw those boundaries? Um, because um, like, how do you practice um, the practice of non-attachment? I think you mentioned before in one of your podcasts, maybe. Um, so for example, I had um, certain hobbies like rock climbing or pottery during that four month breakup that I picked up. And now we do them together sometimes mm-hmm. or m- most of the time. So, so we were just trying to figure out, we don't want to uh, be clear. The theory is I'm going to first thing. The codependency. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's not like I'm Are there actually, is there, are there actual problems in this relationship or is the problem uh, you both being afraid of what things could be or oh, of, I don't want to be trapped or, oh man, what if I lose my independence? Or, do you know what I'm saying? So I yeah. feel like you are both in your head instead of in the relationship uh, instead of, you know what I'm saying? Like, and of course, cause it's your first time. Right. Um, it's like riding a motorcycle for, for the first time, instead of being present and feeling the wind on your face, you're so scared. You're not going to turn the blinker on or the cops are going to get you or you're going to go down. And so you're just riding <laughs> stiff. You know what I'm saying? And right. So it seems like that's what the problem, like the problem is there is no problem. Like the yeah. problem is the, <laughs> the, uh, the distorted thinking in your head of what could be, or what if the, this plane goes down? What if I get hurt? What if I lose yeah. my independence? You know, and then, oh, all these big concepts like non-attachment. Is that, you know, checking off boxes? Is there codependency? Oh shit, what, yeah. you know? And so you, I, I feel like you, you're both taking a black light to something. And um, since this is kind of the first rodeo, it should really just be like exploration, exploration and have fun. And let's, you know what I'm saying? And still be yeah. smart, obviously. It's yeah. smart and, and you're, you're going into it in a smart way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to go into this consciously and I get that. And there, there's something to be said about that. But I think what John said is really, really like on point. It's like, we can also take ourselves out of something really amazing by putting that black light on. And honestly, you already experienced that because it feels like Charlie, you were already doing that. And that's where the ambivalence was coming from. Right. And yeah. I would say the same thing about John in the beginning, it was like, he would ask me like, how do you know? And I'd be like, well, I don't know, but I know that in this moment, I feel good about this. And in this moment, I'm enjoying it. And to me, that's enough to continue on this day, right? I don't need Mm. to know that 10 years from now we're gonna be together. I just need to know that right now it feels good. And so I'm gonna do it, right? Um, And so that might actually be a practice for both of you is paying attention to how often you get into this like, you know, and and (laughs) pulling back when you catch yourself. I mean, it's a mindfulness practice and really being like, okay, look around the room, see my partner. What am I feeling in my body? You know stare at them from across the room, catch that glimpse of them that makes you kind of smile um, and just try to be present as much as you can. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, when we try, when we try to do that, when we do, I mean, then there are no problems really. And I think it is more looking in the future and, and trying to live tomorrow's problem today for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> May I ask how old uh, you are, both of you, Charlie and Jennifer? Um, I'm 31 and I'm 28. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of you are so young and and this is actually, uh, exciting and it sounds like, uh, there's a lot of gold here. It sounds like there's a lot of good stuff. And I love the, 
I love the fact that, that you're both thinking about what could be in, in kind of a healthy way. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. if we um, start to live there instead of it just being a, a thought and, you know, um, things to, to possibly think about, but if we start living in, in there, um, then we're not in the here and now. And of course, you know, you, you, you're both very stiff. <laughs> and you both recalibrated, right? It doesn't sound like just Charlie recalibrated. Like Jennifer, you recalibrated in the sense of being like, oh, I wasn't being honest. Like mm-hmm. I was being inauthentic because I was, you know, trying to people please not rock the boat, all of these things. And now I'm taking steps to actually work on that. And so you both have already done that initial kind of pivot that I was talking about. Now you get to continue doing that, but maybe with each other, instead of having to like back away for four or five months. You know, Mm -hmm. you just say to each other, hey, here's something I've noticed. Let's pivot. Like, how do we work this out together where we can both pivot and feel more comfortable in the relationship? Um, So like whatever it is that you guys were able to do when you separated, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to bring that into the relationship when you're still together. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Either of you have a ticking clock, uh, meaning Mm -hmm. are you, or is anyone putting pressure on things like, you know, marriage, kids or stuff like that, or yeah, cultural stuff or family stuff? I think I was, she apparently doesn't. So I I really both did. We both did. Like my parents were trying to send me out with people for like, yeah, yeah. Five years. And then him kind of. I wouldn't say thing, but, but I, I think I'm just trying to not you know, break hearts and souls and trying to be, you know, like super duper mindful and of, of my feelings and then try to come with the, at least first time, you know, break up earlier than later kind of thing and thinking that would be kinder way to go to a relationship. But mm-hmm. that just made the relationship contractual and business-like and it, it wasn't very yeah, fun. Um- any kind of ticking clock can put pressure, undue pressure on a relationship. So um, I think being aware of where that comes from, whether it's parents or, or yourself um, and not listening to that because both of you are so young, you know, and this being the first time. So I think the mindset would be, uh, because it sounds like you both haven't even swam far enough for there to be problems to talk about. It's more like, oh man, let's not go there because what's, what if there's monsters there? <laughs> like you're, you're kind of like in the uh, dog paddling in the shallow end because in the deep end, you're scared of sharks, but you're not even, you haven't even started swimming that way yet. You know what I'm saying? And I, yeah. yes. And I want to say that I, if you're, if you're aware of certain things or feelings that are coming up that are making you uncomfortable, right? Like you are talking about it and that is good. You know, like I don't necessarily feel safe. I'm not sure that I trust this. Like that is good to have those conversations when it comes up get really in tune with like specifics. When does that feeling come up? What are the circumstances around what's going on with us in the moments where that feeling comes up? What is being said verbally and non-verbally when I know that feeling comes up? Like sometimes that kind of stuff, like I said, is more about like me figuring out me and then bringing it in as a dialogue. And like, here's what I've discovered about myself, which will then benefit the relationship. So I think what John is saying is true. It's like, it feels like the, the quote unquote problems are actually things that we can be doing on our own and then bringing it to each other as a way to like deepen the conversation. Mm, right. And, and when we're talking about those really, really tough topics, like clearly the only barrier, like the only real barrier is seeing the other person's spirits go down, right? Like, mm. like and it's just, and that's, that was makes any honest conversation very difficult and it's it's 
So how, how do you cope with that where you're trying to be mindful of, you know, and because and, you don't want the person to, to be sad. And, I, I, I think if you speak your truth, but always do it um, in a, uh, from a place of kindness and, and you're compassionate about it, uh, the other person's disappointment is not for you to hold. So if the other person suddenly, you know, is now, sad. I don't know, not just sad, but if they're, you know, binging and whatever, or, or, or getting into their unhealthy habits, um, of course, you can give them your hand and how can I support you in this? But it's not because Charlie, I, I feel like you're taking on a lot of responsibility of like, oh, what if I upset her? What if she goes into a depression? What if her feel you know, all of that? And so if you do that, you're going to be more cautious and you're going to be more timid, less uh, authentic. you know, less authentic, you know, um, as long as you're both. Here's the thing. The, the ante for sitting at the table of love is always going to be someone's going to get hurt. That's just there's no way around that. So yes, uh, someone's heart can get broken. There, you, there's nothing you can say or do to change that. And just feelings get hurt. I mean, even on like a less dramatic level, yeah. like somebody says something, the other person's feelings get hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, that is, that's par for the course, you know? Right. So uh, if someone is disappointed, they can express their disappointment, but it's not for the other person to take care of. To manage, right? To manage. And hold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I always like to say, like he said, kind. I mean, my thing that I always communicate to my clients is the only thing that you're responsible for in your communication is that it's clear, it's kind, and it's concise. That's it. So however you need to get there, if you need to kind of go away, do some journaling for a bit, you know, come back. Like I'm notorious for coming in with like, I got a couple bullet points. Like I need to talk about, you know, like no shame in my game, but it's, that's really it. And then beyond those three bullet points, if you can honestly internally say, I know I was clear, I know I was kind and I know I was concise, which basically means I'm not taking them on this long journey. I'm not talking my way out of like what I just said, you know, over explaining. Um, if you can check those boxes, then to John's point, the, the feeling of the other person is actually not your responsibility, right? You can be compassionate and sit with that person and say like, oh, I see that you're sad or that your feelings are hurt, but it's not your job to fix that for them, right? That's, that's their job. Let me give you a really simple example. Uh, if I was to say, um, want, uh, have, want to have sex with Vanessa and Vanessa didn't want to have sex, um, and I took that disappointment and now I'm pouting and instead I'm going to go eat a dozen donuts and I'm doing all these things to numb or, you know, not take care of myself. It's not her responsibility to save me because if she's okay, then if she sees me going down and suddenly has sex with me, now there's anger and resentment on her side. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So um, as long as she's, you know, comes at me with, Hey, I, I, it doesn't mean that I'm not attracted to you. Uh, it, I, I don't feel like having sex. I, I don't, you know, I hope you don't take it personally, whatever. Um, how can I, you know, support you or, 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 take, or, you know, whatever. What can, what else can we do kind of thing? Right. Um, and then if after that I am being, um, distant or, uh, pushing people away or eating my feelings or whatever, all of that is on me and it's not for her to, to, to come and save me. You know what I'm saying? Because if you start that pattern, then that pattern becomes dysfunctional in itself. And then now we have Vanessa having sex with me because she's scared. I'm going to go eat a dozen donuts, right? So then- Or I just don't want to hurt your feelings. Or she doesn't want to hurt I've my feelings. That that's right. my job is to make sure somebody's feelings aren't And hurt. then what happens? The sex is distant. It's mechanical. She has anger, resentment. And then, you know, it doesn't help my growth or, you know, my, my coping. So- um, and I'm just using that example because it's, it's, yeah. you know, well, it's, it, I think it's one a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. It's also part of my story, but um, if, 
you are both thinking, okay, let's do this. I will be honest with you. Um, I, I can tell you my truth and I will be kind. Everything else is just the name of the game. You know, people get hurt, people, you know, and also uh, we don't know if this is going to be forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that should be the, the, the mind. A lot of people ruin relationships because they want the promise. The you know, yeah. And I think that's part of what's wrong with um, our culture, society and all that. Right. So I would just do a reboot. You know, I, I talk a lot about uh, I use that phrase, the shadow is cast by your own hand. And I think that's kind of what's happening here with this relationship is um, you are both more scared of what could go wrong than what is actually wrong. Yeah, and we don't really have a lot of fights except for disagreement or, you know, like moods getting down when we think about problems of the future. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. Maybe because things are good now, or maybe, like, maybe we haven't, we need to start fights about those things. (laughs) The fights will come. Yeah. (laughs) The fights will come. Don't worry about that. Uh, I uh, want to kind of end with this. Um, You know, the, uh, and maybe you have both not experienced, I don't know, but, the magical summer where you go to like summer camp, you know, and you have your crush and you're, and you kind of know that after the summer, people are going to go back home, you know? And so you soak in every minute and you're together all day and you're swimming and you're watching movies and you're doing whatever. Right. And it becomes very magical. Um, I would approach this like that. And I say that because it is your first kind of both, having an adult relationship going into it and i would i would hate that the um you know the the magic and the innocence of falling in love is stripped away because you guys are both trying to be so adult and Mm, and preventative you know yeah Yeah, go go do some wild things and um (laughs) you know fight it's okay <laughs> and fight and let it be honest you know like get your feelings hurt it's it's all part of the, the journey yeah. and if and if you're not um then the question is like so who's trying to protect the other person because if you get too long and you're like oh well there's nothing going on it's like mm, okay well something's going on why there's nothing going on right so just be honest you know be yourself yeah uh, i think you both are being uh, very hard on yourselves yeah go go be messy <laughs> call, call us back when you guys have real problems <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for um, sharing your story. I think many can relate to this. If not, it's a great reminder. So uh, thank you both. And also, uh, uh, we have a brand new book coming out in like a week or two. And uh, we're doing a live book club. So what you can do if you want to kind of check boxes, uh, hop in, hop in, and we're going to go with uh, a lot of people and going through the concepts and you know what to do. Uh, as far as conflict and all of that um and and, you know that that might be kind of good could be like a weekly check yeah but um for people who uh don't necessarily have current problems but uh yeah join our book club it'll be fun yeah we'll do thank you all right great meeting you both be well bye okay so what are your thoughts on that session um i mean i think that I think that there's a lot of fear. And I, I, I think that a lot of people that are listening to this will be able to resonate, even if the story's not exactly the same, with this feeling of fear being the thing that keeps you from experiencing life and all the beautiful things to its fullest, right? I mean, it's like, 
it's being so in your head and so worried about what could be that you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing what's in front of you. Um, and, and so, you know, part of me, part of me thinks that that's, that's sad. Part of me totally understands it. I've been there. Um, and, and I also do love, by the way, cause this is, I'm having more of these conversations with people who are coming to me, like as a couples therapist and they're like in the beginning part of their relationship and they want to talk about this stuff before it becomes a problem. And I actually appreciate that approach. It's, um, you know, it's like learning to swim before you dive into the deep end. I don't know. Yeah. It reminded me of, uh, two kids in AP class taking, um, pre SAT classes and gearing up for the SATs, uh, but forgetting that high school is supposed to be it's more than that. <laughs> is more than that. Uh, yeah. So high school is more than prep for college. Uh, high school is senior ditch day and crushes and experimentation and getting in trouble and climbing out the window. Like high school to me uh, is 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 one of the most magical experiences of your life. Um, mm, all of that. <laughs> no, it is. It can be. I'm saying, yeah, and, you know, and good and bad. And, you know, we're sponges. We're sensitive. We're you don't know who we are yet. Uh, but but there's um, there's so much uh, forming happening in those early days. But if you're just focusing on what college you're going to get into, you're going to miss that. Miss right. Yeah. When I think about high school, I think about the, the day that I almost got arrested for stealing the mechanical elephant outside the grocery store because I wanted to put it into the quad and plug it in. I thought it'd be cool to like ride the elephant and, and you know, stuff like that. So um, no, but I, I, that's what high school reminds me of and, and the fun of that, not so much um, the letter uh, grades that I got. And so there's also something I think kind of adorable um, and innocent uh, about them really wanting to work on their relationship, which I think is great. And then also, I think this is the, the shadow side of self-help where, mm. uh, and especially with social media, so many people force, or not forcing, but encouraging you to, you know, things like non-negotiables and, 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 and I mean, boundaries and, and codependency and addiction. It's, it's always in our face. So we're so super sensitive about it that we don't want to go there. Um, and so I think uh, a lot of younger generation, they're, they're just so savvy and they, they don't want to have the relationships their parents did. So they're extra cautious. And I think um, being extra cautious sometimes can strip you of being in it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I will say though, I mean, obviously we only have these like little 30 minutes with, the, with people, but I, I, I know I brought it up to her a couple of times and, and honestly it was a prompt to him too, but um, there's so much to be said for paying attention to those inner narratives and paying attention to what comes up for you, especially anything that's like repeating itself um, and, and taking that away on your own outside of relationship and trying to do a little bit of digging around it. That can be super powerful for yourself, but also bringing it back into your relationships. And, um, you know, it seemed like she heard me on that because I, I can really resonate with, you know, the story I'm telling myself is to use that Brene Brownism. Um, and I, I hope that that was, that was beneficial to somebody listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for listening. And by the time you hear this, uh, our pre-orders for our new book, It's Not Me, It's You. We'll be out. We'll be out. And uh, this is a relationship book. We go through what we think are the foundational things in any relationship to build anything sustainable. Also, uh, we talk a lot about um, our shortcomings, our struggles. And you can, um, 
jump into a Zoom with us live and go through the book before the book comes out, which is pretty exciting. So we're going to be giving away, they're, they're called galleys. They're uh, basically uh, paperback early copies of the book that are not for sale. So they become kind of like collector um, items. And so you will get one of those and you can jump into the book club as we do it. Um, we're probably going to do it every Sunday. Uh, and then the book will come out in September, but you will by then already have uh, done a deep dive on the book. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordo, Lumia Coach Training, and it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.